Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Nightcap. No! This is Patrick! Time now for the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome in to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney hanging out with you tonight on WGR. Are you a person who follows, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram, like accounts that are posting pictures of food constantly that would make you hungry is that you you're not doing that i don't i don't have an instagram or anything like that i feel like that's where you find it most you're right that's why i don't do it on instagram so nate geary was in here a little bit earlier with bulldog and nate you know tends to complain about things once in a while and one of the things that he was talking about today it's might have been off the air is that he follows certain pizza pizza joints on twitter uh, or on Instagram, or restaurants and such. Like He's always looking at pictures of food, and that makes you hungry. And now he's out here doing the same thing. He's got like a bucket of wings, and he's just posting the picture unprovoked on Twitter, and like now I want a bucket of wings. And, like I'm over here trying to eat healthy. Like, I had a salad for dinner, and I've got Nate shoving his hot parm wings in my face that look unbelievable, and now all I want is chicken wings. That doesn't really affect me. I'm just hungry all the time. Ugh. It doesn't matter if I see a picture <laughs> or not. I'm just always thinking about you're gonna food. Be, you're going to be thinking you're going to want those wings whether you see a picture of them or not. Correct. Yeah, okay, that's right. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a tough struggle. The um, Sabres have had an interesting 24 hours and maybe a pretty exciting 24 hours. I'm not thinking about the playoffs, though. Like, are you? Like, Nate ran in here talking about who Florida's playing and who Toronto's. Toronto's got a home-and-home with Pittsburgh this week and a game in hand. And, like, I don't know. I I heard it last night. I saw people tweeting, like, okay, you're eight points back, game in hand. Toronto's got injuries. They've got a tough schedule coming up. You've got Ottawa next. I can't get there. I I can't get there. Jeremy tweeted it. Uh, Actually, our our guy TJ Luckman here at WGR tweeted it this morning. For them to have a greater than 50-50 chance to make the postseason, according to cl- sports club stats, they'd have to go 16-5-2. And, and, like, 16-5-2 is not some impossible feat. This team, man, like, all season, I just I don't think this team is capable of 16-5-2. Despite they, the fact that they pretty much ran over the Leafs last night. They did run over the Leafs last night. Um, I don't—it's tough. It's an 82-game season. I don't put a lot of credence into a single— game because it's such a small sample size but what they did to the Leafs last night they really embarrassed them and I think one of the things that you do have to keep in mind however is that yes Toronto was on the second half of you know they had two games in two days they're beat up especially on the blue line but I did not think they looked 
impressive whatsoever. Certainly did not look like a playoff team. And if they are a playoff team, which they might be by default, considering the outside of Boston and Tampa Bay, the Atlantic isn't too yeah. strong. But I cannot envision that a series with either Tampa Bay or Boston and Toronto going more than six games yeah. max. Max. Yeah. I can't see it. They just can't get the puck out of their own end. I they, mean, you saw it last night. Like the Sabers are not Tampa, and they're not Boston. And when Tampa or when Toronto would get stuck in their own end, their defensemen just aren't capable of taking the puck away. And if they do, they're not really all that capable of getting it up to their forwards and out of the zone. It almost reminds me of the Sabers team. Obviously, a, a more skilled version of it, but it reminds me of the Sabers team from like two, three years ago, where. Like, you had talent up front. Like, you had a Vander Kane. You had a young Jack Eichel. You had O'Reilly. You had a Poso even playing pretty well in his early Sabre career. And what was the problem? Your defensemen, couldn't get Georges, the puck out of Franzen, yeah. Bogosian, who we're going to talk about in a second, right, they couldn't get the puck out of their zone, and they just can't make passes. Like, you couldn't make tape-to-tape passes to get it to those guys. Even if you got it to them, it's like, oh, Eichel's got the puck now, but you put in his feet, so he had to slow down, and now he's at half speed. The, Toronto, there was nothing about that game that led me to think that Toronto should be favored to win anything at all this year. Anything at all. Maybe make the playoffs. And even that is wishy And you were talking about uh, people, to, you know, people discussing f- who's Florida playing and who are these teams yeah, yeah. playing. Florida won tonight. I don't, know, I don't know if you care about that yet. Are you even scoreboard watching at this point? I'm scoreboard watching, but not for the Sabres. I'm scoreboard, scoreboard watching almost because of the Leafs. And I'm almost torn because I part of me wants to see Toronto in the playoffs because it is more interesting. Like, if they're playing in the first round against Tampa Bay, all right, I am there. I'm tuned in. That's fun. Yeah. And I have a rooting interest. Like, I'm going all the way Tampa Bay in that series. If it's Boston, I have a little more time on the rooting interest, but that's a fun game. Toronto and Boston, I'm watching that series. Florida is not that. Even if, like, you know, NBC will certainly, if this happens, try to sell the the whole Florida rivalry between the Panthers and the Lightning. And I actually think Florida's a more complete team than Toronto. Like, they also have elite talent up front. Do they have as right, much right as now Toronto? They are. No. Right now they are. Right, because they have, not only do they have the forwards like Toronto does, and again, maybe they're not at quite the same level, but Huberto and Barkov are mm-hmm. elite talents up front, and Hoffman is a 30-goal scorer, and you've got other guys that are implementing there. It's a little weird that Mark Pesic's a top-six forward all of a sudden for them. That came out today. That's strange. A hat-trick scoring (laughs) top-six forward. (laughs) Yeah, but their blue line is way more complete than Toronto's, led by Aaron Ekblad and Keith Yandel, and they have a goaltender who's not played all that well yet this year in Sergei Bobrovsky, but he's playing better as of late, and... You know, Frederick Anderson's a good goaltender, but Bobrovsky is a guy that's capable of just, like, you know what? You guys are struggling right now? That's fine. I'm capable of Vezina-level play. I got this. I'm going to carry question. the team. And that's what you need in the playoffs. And right. that's what you need at this, not even just the playoffs, this point of the season. Yeah. Get a hot goaltender. Yep. Get yourself a 10-game stretch where he's he doesn't let a puck in the net, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you rattle off seven to eight wins, and you're exactly. you're right there. So to answer your question, I am scoreboard scoreboard watching, but it's more for that Florida-Toronto race. I don't think the Sabres enter this equation. I, I don't. I think it's a two-horse race for third place in the Atlantic Division. I think that even though the Sabres ran over the Leafs last night and they exposed what the issues are on the Leafs, Toronto also is capable of showing up on a given night and putting eight on you. Without question. And they have like a significant lead. Like I just can't see you being... You could be better than Toronto the rest of the season. That wouldn't stun me. But are you going to be four games better than them? And, and you know what's crazy you are to that, me, though? The why I can't get to the playoffs, it's not even as much about Toronto for me 
I just mentioned it about Florida. I legitimately think Florida is a great team. I think their roster construct is great, and I think, honestly, all year they've just been waiting to get saves out of Sergey Bobrovsky. And if they get that, the Sabres have no chance. I just can't see them getting above the Panthers. I can't. It's amazing. We're talking about they have to catch Toronto, or it could be it could end up being that they have to catch Florida. And they're four points behind Florida. Florida hasn't played great recently. They've won a couple games, you know, within the past uh, week or so. Mm-hmm. But before that, they were they had won like they were one on a slide, eight. right? Yeah. Exactly. Toronto is on a huge slide right now, just in terms of of wins and just product. They're just not playing well, which is a huge concern for this time of the year. They they find themselves in a race, and. What I think is fascinating here is we're like, can we, can the Sabres really pick up four more wins, eight more points than Toronto for the rest of the season? I think it's crazy that Toronto only has four more wins than the Sabres this whole year. We have done nothing but pretty much criticize the Sabres since their slide started a month and a half into the season about how poor they've been playing. And Toronto is only four wins theoretically, better than them. Think about that. The amount of talent that Toronto team has. Four wins better than the Sabres. And to answer your question, no, I am not in all the way on the playoffs. I I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. It would be great if it did. I don't see it happening. But my thing that now is that and as, you're, as we're kind of in the doldrums of sports in Buffalo, if the Sabres aren't playing well, mm-hmm. every win from here on in – for me, prolongs how much I care about this season. All right. If they had lost yeah. last night, the season's over. Oh, for sure. If they win, I care about tomorrow. If they win tomorrow, I carry, care about Saturday. It just keeps going like that, and fine, give that to me. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. All right, I'm glad we got that established, that we both feel that way, because I think that is what really leads us into the next part of this. Um, Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney, by the way, here on the Nightcap, uh, 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll start taking your calls in just a second here. The next part of that conversation is this tweet that I read from Jeremy over the weekend that really, like, it, when I first time I read it, I'm like, come on, that can't be right. The fact that yesterday's game could have meant a lot, and the next couple of games as well, Ottawa, um, the two games after that, before the deadline, whether that could actually play a significant role in determining for Jason Bottrell what he's going to do with the trade deadline. I just, if they think that if they win the next three games, or if they get five out of six points, coupled with the win in Toronto yesterday, or against Toronto, in Toronto, I mean, it felt like a home game for Toronto. That's kind of <laughs> maybe why that just came out that way. But if they think, that five out of six or six out of six in in the next week will mean that they should buy. That that to me is just it's ludicrous to think that that could be the case. Because even if you win the next three, let's assume everyone else is playing five hundred hockey, you're still talking about a, about a six point gap maybe out of the playoffs. And like, are they going to start buying? If they're going to start adding rentals, if they're six points out, I don't think they're going to do that. Let's establish what a buyer is. We've talked sure. about this before. We've even talked about it off. You know, off mm-hmm. air. What in your mind is the definition of a buyer? And to me, a buyer is someone who is willing to mortgage the future to win mm-hmm. this season. And to me, no matter what the Sabres do from now until the trade deadline one week from today, there is nothing that can convince me the future should be mortgaged for this year's team. You're right. And I'm not even thinking about it because I don't think they'll. 
at a rental. You asked me a question earlier that I almost threw up at, that would they trade a first-round pick for Chris Kreider? That's the worst idea. I think that might be the worst idea that they could do. I was trying to establish what sure. you thought a buyer was. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's. The, I think I'm on the same wavelength with you. Like Brandon Montour even last year, Like was that a buyer's move? I don't it think was, so. but more so for the long term. Right. It wasn't like, I'm a buyer at this year's trade. Right. I'm, I'm buying for the future when I'm doing that. Are they going to do it by not selling. That that's kind of where I'm at. It's not even necessarily are you going to buy because I think if we'll talk maybe we could talk about this Vegas potential trade that, that was rumored this weekend like if they go f- trade for Jonathan Marsh show from Vegas. That's going to that's a buyer move in a way cuz you are going to get better this year by doing it but your motivation for adding Jonathan Marsh show is not to make the playoffs this season. I think it's to help your top 6 forward group for the next 3-4 years. Mm-hmm. That's why you're doing that. But Will they almost be a buyer via inaction? Will they decide, all right, you know what? Yeah, we're six points out. And instead of selling off our upcoming unrestricted free agents and adding some draft capital, albeit not major draft capital, but adding some draft capital, we're going to bypass that because we think that there's at least a chance that we can make a run at the postseason. And... To me, I just think that's the type of thinking I don't want them to have. I want them to show up on deadline day. And if somebody, given what this market might be, our only indication so far is that this is going to be a seller's market. Blake Coleman, who's a good player, but, you know, 20 goal seasons, two years in a row. Right, a good player. His career high is 36. 36 points. The guy's like 25, 26 years old. Like, this is not some superstar player. Thank you for clarifying 36 points, not 36 36 goals. Yes. He got a first-round pick and a pretty darn good prospect. Yeah, That's the price. Andy Green is like a bottom-pair defenseman at this point for the Devils. He fetched a second-round pick. If that's what the market is telling you, and somebody shows up on deadline day and says, we're going to give you a second-round pick and this B-minus prospect for Johan Larson, I just don't want the Sabres to get to a point. I don't want Jason Bottrell and the team to get to a point where they think, because they're six points out, something like that, that they can say, no, we're not interested in a second-round pick and a prospect for Johan Larson because they think that they can still make the postseason. Because, again, it's not a major price you're bringing back. But that is something that you would think could help you going forward. And if I can make another trade like that, if I can add a third for Sherry or maybe a third for VC. See, I'm, I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't want them to say no to those deals because they think they can still make the playoffs. I'm not with you there. You're not? I, I see what you're saying. Are they buying by not selling? I understand the concept of what you're getting. For me, it, and it all depends, they could go out and lose to Ottawa tomorrow and then I'd say trade everyone. But right now, after what they did last night, I just want to see. I just want to see where they are. If they can take – so if they, before the deadline, show that they – First of all, they got to win. It doesn't matter. They could go out and play well against Ottawa tomorrow and lose, and it's all moot. It doesn't matter. If they can get some wins before the deadline, I am okay with them saying, no, we're not trading VC for a third. Because what is a third? What is a third in the NHL? If this is the it's, NFL, it's me, different. It, a third in the NHL is such a lottery ticket. It, it really is. How, mm-hmm. Like, third round picks it's like, don't really materialize. It's like 20-something percent to even make the NHL, but my, my and I, I get what you're saying too, but my reasoning why I would do that is 
that 20-something percent that that third-round pick is going to make the playoffs is probably greater than the Sabres' odds of making the postseason. Oh, without question it is, but I want to also care about this season as much as I can. I am so beyond the point of, oh, well, let's dump everything to get whatever we can. Let's trade Dmitry Kulikov to get a 2027 seventh-rounder. I'm beyond that point. I'm to the point where it's, I want to see how this team finishes the end. And you know what? It might not even matter because a lot of this team might be replaced it comes summer, sure. which is one thing to keep in mind. So I see, like, is it even giving you a, a snapshot of what the team could become? I'm not even sure. But I want to care about the Sabres winning hockey games this season. For once, in the past mm-hmm. five years, I want to this year. If you can get a ridiculous haul for Larson, absolutely. If you can get a second-round pick for Larson and like a prospect like you're saying, fine. I'm not going to discourage that. What I'm discouraging mm-hmm. is, oh, well, we might as well get something for VC. You know, best offer we've gotten is a fourth-round pick. I'm not for that. I'd much rather just to see them try to win. I'm just not sure how much, you know, these guys are above replacement level in the first place. Like, VC's kind of turned on a little bit more as of late. Um, he scored last night. He probably should have had two. That first one seemed to be in the net. I, I just... Is this the team that could do it? And I get what you're saying in that I want to care, too. Like, I want to care that about this team's games down the stretch. I've just seen enough. I've seen enough of it. Like, I've seen enough of Larson. I've seen enough of Gergensen. I've, I've seen enough of... This core staple of bottom six forwards and middle six forwards, even with Sherry and VC, that I just I think I know enough. I think or I think that I've seen enough that I just don't think this group can do it. So I kind of want I want what you want too, but I maybe want it in a different way because I don't really think I guess I just don't think that selling those guys off really hurts their chances all that much. If they really think they can make a run at the postseason, I don't really think trading Jimmy VC does that much against you. Like, if you added so C.J. If, Smith in his you role don't all think year, that's the would he case, not have nine goals? If you don't think that's the case, then you don't think another team thinks VC's, chance, VC's acquisition would help them. No, well, I, I don't think that he will help them, but I think you'll find teams out there will, that will think that. I, I think there are a lot of really dumb GMs in hockey. Like, I really do. And I think somebody will overpay for you at the deadline for Johan Larson. I just saw a team pay a first and a prospect for Blake Coleman, and that's Tampa. Like, they're supposed to be one of the smarter teams in hockey. So... I think that, like, replacement level. Is C.J. Smith doing the same thing for you that Jimmy Vesey's done all season? Because I think he might have nine goals in the same exact role. You put Jimmy Vesey on Rochester, you think that him and C.J. Smith are the same? In Rochester, are yeah, they the so same? Yeah, so put Jimmy Vesey, take out C.J. Smith in Rochester, you think Jimmy Vesey is, not as, is the same as C.J. Smith in Rochester? In Rochester, they might be different, but... So why would it be different up here? Why would it be? Why would it be different in the NHL if you think that Jimmy VC replacing C.J. Smith on the Americans well, is going to increase Rochester's chances of winning a given game? Because well, I don't. Why I, isn't the reverse true? I don't necessarily think that Smith's a better player than VC, but I do think that in the AHL, and you've seen this, like guys like Matt Molson go down there and they start lighting it up. Why? Because the game is slower down there. The game, the pace is slower down there, and suddenly a guy who in the NHL is a guy that's going to be playing off of their playmakers, off of their centermen, which VC pretty much has been throughout his career. Like He's not a guy that creates his own offense. He's going to stand in front of the net. He's going to finish the opportunities that he has, but he's not really going to be an all-around. He's going to drive his own play in the NHL. 
to me, Smith is that same type of player in the NHL. Is he a good one? No, probably not. We don't really have much of a sample size to say that. But in the AHL, I might want to tell you because the pace is slower, because everything is slower. VC now, his skills might be able to flourish a little bit more. But even if, you might be right. Maybe Smith does not have nine goals playing in VC's role this year. But, again, I don't think that the downgrade from one to the other is enough to stop this team from making the postseason. I would, would I, my perfect world, what would happen this trade deadline is they would go to a team like Vegas. They would try to add a top six winger. They're a top six forward, and maybe that's Ristolainen. We've talked about him a million times. Maybe it's Brandon Montour. Maybe it's whoever. But I'd like to see them add a guy like a Jonathan Marshall. We could talk about Elks talk. That's There's more complications to that as an idea with Vegas. If they could add a Nikolai Ehlers. Like if they're able to accomplish that by moving one of their defensemen, maybe you move a future asset, and then you also move these upcoming UFAs, I think I could still get to a point where I'm caring about games at the end of the season. I think I could replace guys in the bottom six and get away with it and still get some of those future assets. I get what you're saying, too, though. I don't want to just move guys for six, seventh-round picks. Five years but. ago, I would have said it would be egregious not to do this, but I am just, I'm just so sick of the, the rebuild mode that I'm okay. I Me, too. Th- I, and here's another thing. Another thing, I think, is that the difference between right now and five years ago is that the Sabres have what I would call their core in place. They have their core in place. They have Eichel, they have Darlene, they have Reinhardt, they have Skinner. Right. I, and I might even tell you that you should throw Olofsson and Yoki Haru in there. Great. Yeah. Great. You have an established core. We know who is going to, if this team were ever to win, we know who will be the reason why. And it's the guys we just listed. It's not about VC and Larson and Gergensons and you can go on. Mm-hmm. But... I so five years ago I would have said oh yeah absolutely but I was in complete sell mode then I was in complete let's turn over the whole thing all new bodies and while I am that for this summer I want to see this play out I'd love to see them go on a run we've seen that this team can do it they've do last year they were not a good hockey team and they won 10 games in a row this year they started out what nine one and two Nine two and one, something yeah, like was, that. It was they were their first place. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, this team has it in them to go on a run. Do I think they will? No, but I want to see it going forward. And I think that the difference between a VC and a CJ Smith is enough where I don't care about the fourth round pick. I would much rather VC's playing well right now. Mm-hmm. The team is playing fairly well right now. You know, they yeah. just steamrolled a team that's supposedly playoff caliber. I want to see that going forward. I want these last 20 games to mean something, and I really don't care about fourth-round picks at this stage. You, you the, make, the, the nucleus yeah. is there. You do make a good case. I just, the, at least I want to say that I no way want the next three games to mean enough to Jason Bottrell where he changes what he's going to do with the deadline. Like, I, I don't want to get to that point. Even if they win all three. Well, if they win all six, three, six were... games, in a six game winning streak going into the trade deadline, you'd have twenty three, so twenty games left in the season, and you you're you're not willing to do it. So assume, so I don't they, think say, they can go even th- even if they win the next three. Say they win the next I, three. I don't think they can go thirteen three and two. Well, hold or on, thirteen three and two. Yeah. Hold on, say they're three. They win six games in a row going into the deadline. That's what it would be. That's yep. what it would take because okay? they're already on three wins. All right, yep. perfect. So six and zero going into the deadline, and they are five points back of the last 
mm-hmm. spot in the division. You, you're not ready to – first of all, is your plan to just sell everything? Is that your plan if you're Jason Bob? Is your plan to sell everything? It's not to sell everything, but it would be to sell. I don't need them to sell every single UFA that they've got. I don't need them to trade Rodriguez, too. I don't need them to trade five, six guys, and half your team now is Rochester. But a couple of guys, given what I've seen so far in this market, like, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to think they can move, whether it's Larson, whether it's Sherry, whether it's VC, whether it's even Rodriguez, whether it's McCabe, who's got a year left. If, I think that the way this market is setting up, everybody's convincing themselves that they can make a run. And I don't want to be stuck in the mud of the middle of the NHL while I've got five teams over here and they're cap they're they're maxing out on what those guys are. So yeah, I don't want I don't want to see them go scorched earth. But one or two of them at the least, I, I don't think they should do nothing in terms of selling on deadline day. No, almost no matter, even if they are five points out. Even right, if they're five points out, even four points out, and they've ro- they're riding a six game winning streak into the trade deadline, I still want Bottrell to pick up, you know, to answer the phone. If someone's inquiring sure. about Larson, so they're ready to throw a second round pick at you. I want you taking the call. I, I'm I not wonder, saying I think they can that. Get that. I think they can get that. I'm not saying I don't want them to even, you know, not consider it. What I'm saying is that. I am not ready to just do what we've been preaching for for years now. It's like, just get rid of everything. Murray I'm not wants, ready to do that. Murray I'm once traded Tory Mitchell for a seventh-round pick, and it's what you were talking about. Like That's the that's only the thing of, he could get. That's the kind of deal that's like, yeah. why? Why bother? And with this kind of team, if they are able to ride mm-hmm. into – I want to see what they can do. Can you do it? I don't know. Those three games, by the way, before the deadline. Tomorrow night at Ottawa, Saturday afternoon in Pittsburgh, Sunday at home, so – Two days in a row. Sunday at home against Winnipeg. Two, an easy two, opponent that you lost to last time. And actually got outplayed by last time. And then you've got Pittsburgh and Winnipeg. Winnipeg and Winnipeg is a very beatable team at home. Pittsburgh, for some reason, the Sabres play well against. But and I, I don't. But buy, isn't that funny? They play well against Pittsburgh, but they don't against Ottawa for right. some reason. And you know, I don't <laughs> put a lot of stock into like, oh, you don't play well against this team. I think a mm. lot of it's just coincidence. Sure. But I mean, if you can win, like you said, I think five points out of six. And I think at this time next week, we're having a real discussion about what they can do. What, five five points out of six in the next week. They could do that. They also could lose all three and be 13 points out, and we won't Absolutely. even need to have a debate next week. That, but, that like well I said, <laughs> prolong the season. As long as you can. That's right. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you're hanging on hold, we'll get to you right after the break. we got a couple other phone lines open if you want to get in. Um, we, will, we didn't talk about Bogosian in that segment, so we'll do that when we come back. An interesting situation developing with Sabres defenseman, if I can even call him that anymore. He's not being paid by the team. Um, so we'll, be ta- we'll talk about Bogosian and the impact that that has on the deadline, um, as well as uh, the impact on the blue line um, when we come back. And also, it, coming up, I got a, a thing I want to bring up about the XFL from the weekend. The, the rule that nobody's really mentioned that I've seen that I think I want the NFL to adopt more than anything else that they've done so far. We'll get to that as well on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney hanging out here as well on WGR. Their needs remain the same. Buffalo would like to add a forward, maybe a couple of forwards, depending on what the asking price is and what the rate of return is. But the activity has picked up, and it's only because of where we sit at the calendar. TSN's Darren Dreger with the Instigators. Find that on demand at WGR550.com. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney hanging out here on WGR. 
Before we get into that and the deadline a little bit more, Vegas, by the way, on NBCSN right now, they are smoking Washington 3 to nothing. I actually watched so 2000s night. Got me reminiscing, obviously, nostalgia flowing through the veins the past uh, week or so. And with a couple of buddies, I watched, I think it was on Thursday night, we watched Game 1 between the Sabres and Islanders in 2007. And then we watched Game 1 of, uh, another day, Game 1 of Philly uh, and Buffalo from 2006. And in both games... The Sabres just r- like ran them over. That was why we watched the Islander game, not because it's like a famous game, but it's like this on display how good that team was. They just ran over the Islanders. The f- super fast hockey, like just a defenseman on New York's got the puck. Boom, there's a guy right there. Watching Vegas tonight, they really remind me of that team. Like just insane speed everywhere and a lot of talent up front. Now they've been looking for a defenseman. Um, and like I said, we'll does get into that future Saber Jonathan Marcheseau have a goal tonight? He doesn't. He has a really <laughs> sweet assist on a goal by uh, Riley Smith. So we'll get into uh, maybe Vegas as a trade partner in a second. But Zach Bogosian placed on waivers, and we'll get your calls to at 803-0550. Zach Bogosian placed on waivers last week. Today, or yesterday, I guess, fails to report to Rochester. Today, it comes out that the Sabres, or the Sabres release, that they have suspended him without pay. And it sounds like... We're on a path of one of two things happening. He's either going to be traded to a team that he'd like to go to, and the Sabres will retain half that salary for the rest of the year. More likely, that con- because I don't think anybody's going to pick him up or want to trade for him, his contract's going to be terminated. And maybe the biggest impact that has on the Sabres, other than finally this guy's not going to be in the lineup. I- I've been yelling for three years. I just don't think this guy has been one of your best six defensemen. You've had... Defenseman in Rochester better. They might have three defensemen in Rochester better than him right now. And Bogosian's gotten minutes this year that Casey Nelson didn't get, Borgen didn't get, Casey Fitzgerald didn't get, Pilot wasn't getting. Um, the biggest impact it might have, though, is... They're now sitting with over $7 million in cap space. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. So, if they need to... like, Remember we used to talk about this Tampa trade? Last year there was reports that maybe they'd be interested in Ristolainen and then the offseason. Whenever we talked about a Ristolainen trade to Tampa, it always... Seem to include, oh, you're going to take Ryan Callahan's salary back. Right. And over the course of this entire season, the Sabres would not have been able to do a thing like that for another team. You got over $7 million in cap space. 
Maybe that is that. Maybe that does make it easier for Jason Bottrell to make a trade like that and say, "All right, if it takes taking the final year of this guy who's got four million bucks on his contract and you need to get rid of him to make space, look at us. We got over seven million. We'll do that for you." So maybe it just creates flexibility for them. I think I'm more confident that they could make a bigger trade, like maybe a Vegas trade, like we could talk about here, um, because Bogosian's salary cap is finally off the books at $5.1 million. Yeah, whenever you have flexibility, everything obviously becomes easier. It expands what you are capable of doing. I like the idea of perhaps taking on a contract. Um, But the other thing is you just don't have to spend the money. And sometimes money not spent is better just it's the move you didn't make as opposed to the move you did make and I would love to see some sort of trade just for something to talk about you know mm-hmm. of course I would love to see a trade because trades are fun um mm-hmm. let's not forget though that this really only matters for the next week this you know if Bogosian's money's off the books it really only matters for the next week because his money was coming off the books anyway sure. in the summer so, yes, it gives Jason Bottrell an extra week maybe to find something that probably wouldn't have been feasible beforehand. And that's why they should have gotten to this a lot sooner, like beginning of the season. And it wasn't even for a trade when I was thinking about it before the season. If they had buried Bogosian in the minors, tried to send him to the minors, maybe he would have refused to go, and then all of a sudden, look, I've got $5 million in cap space I didn't have. Sabatka. To me, should have been same thing. Tried to bury him in the minors. Maybe he doesn't show up, and you can terminate that too. And now I've got eight million in cap space. Or if they both report, I've got that one point oh seven five million in relief by putting them putting them down there. I got over two million dollars in cap space now. I don't know. I could do something to maybe help this forward group. Maybe I signed Jason Palmonville on a minimum contract, and he had sixteen goals each of the last two years. Telling me he wouldn't have helped at least a little bit in the scoring depth when Victor Olsen's exits the lineup. Instead of Gergensen's up there, Pommonville, Re- restart the J. Crew line. I don't know. Do something. They would have had a little bit of flexibility. And they should have gotten to this a lot sooner than they did. Um, to where now, like you said, you've only got one week. So I hope you're able to use it. But like you said, if they are not able to utilize it, then you're right. It doesn't really make much of a difference for the rest of the season other than um, maybe guys like Pilot and uh, Yoki Haru. Some guys will get more minutes um, with Bogosian not being here. Hey, that's a win in and of itself. Yeah, that's a win in and of itself. It, you know, finally that alone is that alone that alone is a win. But you know, here's the thing: I am just I'm just hoping that we've talked about this in the earlier segment. I'm just hoping it's not a fire sale on Monday. Mm. I would like to see if they can do a Montour esque deal. That would be great. I'm not banking on something like that happening again. Mm-hmm. But I just don't really want to see a fire sale. I want them to see to say, you know what, let's let's compete. And I'm okay with that if they let these guys' contracts expire. I'm I'm okay with that. And perhaps there is now an added element to the deadline because the possibility of taking on a contract now exists. But it's really he has a week to figure it out. Yeah. How how much of an appetite do you have for this Jonathan Marshall show idea? Because Oh, I, I have no like I've heard the rumor and whatnot, and yeah. I think obviously he would improve the top six mm-hmm. scoring. He would with, without question he would. I, I just have to see what's going the other way. I have to see you it, know. To me, if the that's happening, deal. that's absolutely Ristolainen trade. If Vegas is doing that, that they're the reporting on Vegas is that George McPhee wants to upgrade his blue line, and 
if Marsha Show is the guy you're sending out, who's a top six player for them, if you're giving up something that valuable, then I think you're looking for a big name. You're looking for a real. You're looking for a guy that could play top minutes for you. And even though I don't think Ristolainen is a top pair defenseman, um, he'd certainly be playing in the top line. I think, or at least the second pair in Vegas right now. And they could easily convince themselves. George McPhee's, by the way, GM that. He's getting a lot of credit for building that thing in Vegas. That guy can be taken advantage of. I really Philip think, Forsberg. Like, Philip Forsberg is the worst trade maybe in the NHL in the last twenty years that he traded. What? Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat. What O'Reilly? Yeah. <laughs> We're not done on that though yet. Like maybe that's going to become a contender. You're right. You're right to bring it up. That was such a bad trade though. But both of them. But March or so this year, I, I was looking into this. I was think when I saw the rumor, I was like. That doesn't make sense. Why Vegas is in mm-hmm. a playoff race themselves? Why are they getting rid of a guy who one of their better a producer? Why yeah. are they doing that? And now I understand their blue line is not in good it's shape rough, right now. Right, not in good yep. shape. But I was expecting to go to his stats today and see like some sort of like major regression, and it's not. He has forty-one points this year, twenty goals, mm-hmm. twenty-one assists in fifty-five games. That is an instant upgrade oh, yeah. anywhere you put him in the Sabres lineup. He's averaged 27 goals in the last four seasons, going back to his final year in Florida. The age is a little bit of a concern. He's, He's 29. 29 yep. um, four years left in his deal at $5 million per year. That's, but, that, that contract hit is not bad anymore. No, you're right. And think about it this way. If you were going walking into free agency and Jonathan Marcio sitting there at 30, who I'd offer is him more than five goals. a year. You're right. You're you're paying more than four years, five million per to get that guy in free agency. Now, of course, you're not just getting him without with you're you're having to give up something significant back. I believe it would absolutely be Ristolainen. Maybe they'd want Montour. Maybe would they do that? Like he's an interesting one. He's been good to me. I don't know if he's been as good as they would have hoped when they got him. And he needs a contract at the end of the year. And he's a right shot defenseman. And He's another guy that maybe you could part with and think, all right, I'm still fine on the right side with Yoki Haru, Ristolainen, and Colin Miller. So I don't know which guy it is. I would prefer, for sure, it being Montour, or sorry, Ristolainen. Um, I like this Marsh show idea, though. Like, I, I do like it. How can you not? I mean, we, without knowing, in a vacuum, mm-hmm. I like the idea of bringing Marge so. We don't know what's going out, what else is coming yep. in, what all is involved. By himself, Jonathan Marjasso on the Sabres, I like that idea a lot. So do I. Now, the the more controversial one, the more debatable idea, is Alex Tuck, who also in Vegas, younger, 23 years old, six years left in his contract at $4.75 million. And this is the guy, if I'm Vegas, that I'd rather trade, obviously. He's only got 17 points in 42 games this year, which is a big regression from 52 points last year. He's fast, he's big, he can finish. He kind of reminds me of a young Chris Kreider, but he's been really inconsistent this season. And with the inconsistency, coupled with how long that contract is for, that's a scary idea. Like, that is a risky idea. Because if it if this is not just, you know, a coincidence that he's having a bad season and that this is him, like this is a guy that, hey, he had a 52-point season, but yeah, he's more of a 30-point guy. He's Marcus Foligno. And now I got to pay him almost five million bucks for six years. That is risky. Then you're talking about paying almost twenty million dollars to right. Skinner, Tuck, and Oposo. But on the up, but on there's also upside to this deal because he is only 23, and right. he, could, he might be the next Chris Kreider. And exactly, and th- in two years, if he has years like he had last year, not this year, 
4.7 looks like a bargain. What are you giving up for him, though? Again, they, they would be, be trying to accomplish... It would be less than acquiring Marcheseau, so I would think. Like, oh, it would certainly be a lot How could it less. not be? It would have to be. So, um, But what is less? I'm not trading Ristolainen for him straight up. You're not? I don't think so. Would you have I a month ago? I want to see ago? Ristolainen would you have traded, a month but ago? I'm not doing that. A would month you, ago? Would you have done it this summer? In the summer, I definitely would have done it. So what changed? But this season, it, it's not just that his stats aren't there. He really does remind me of Marcus Foligno. Like he does a lot, and that scares me a little bit. It, it scares me that he could be have had just one really good season, and now he's just a third, fourth line guy. I, I don't know if because of how he gets his goals. Again, he's almost like he's a better version of VC. I, mean, I don't want to compare him too much to VC here, but he's not this guy who's going to drive his own line. He's not this guy that's going to create his own offense like I've been talking about. The Sabers need. He'll come in and he'll hopefully produce for you a lot better than Sherry's and VC's will. But I'm worried that he might not because of the type of player he is. I think for how young he is and 4.7, you said, correct? 4.75 for six more years ap- after this year. It's six now, more years. Now the cap will go up. I don't even think 4.75 is that it's not a ton, egregious right? of a cap hit for for him. And, and that's also with the expectation that he would – improve on the production that he had this year. Mm-hmm. I don't hate I don't hate the idea of Tuck. So would you would you I, trade Ristolainen for him? Straight up. Would yeah. you trade Ristolainen for Alex Tuck? You're smiling. I think I think you want to do it. I don't I don't want to do either. I don't want to completely I am so I'm taking such a Switzerland stance on this. I <laughs> that mm. is not good sports radio. I know just so you know. I would do Switzerland it. I, I would do I guarantee it. you sports radio in Switzerland is awful. It is just boring. <laughs> they could win or lose. Yeah, I hope they try hard tonight. <laughs> it'll be a good, it'll be a good one. Everyone, tune in. Since you're making me take a side right now, I would do it. I'm doing okay. it with the expectation that Alex Tuck. If you put Alex Tuck next to Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel like what does that look like? You know, he's you, probably great, right? You know, and you, you have Tuck. And, and look what that does. Like I think, like I think we've seen enough of Olafson and Eichel to realize they're very good together. Yep. You don't need to split them up. If you have Tuck, Olafson, Eichel as your top line, that allows you to put Ryan. You can, you you can move Reinhardt still, but right. Yeah. You can move Reinhardt down the lineup to maybe help Paramount a Jeff second Skinner. line center. Uh, exactly. You you can do a lot of things because Jack Eichel is so good. If right. you acquire another guy that you think has the talent to be able to slot into your top six, right. I think it's worth it. You're right. You're you're adding a top six guy and that's pushing everybody further down and that's helping just in a, in and of itself that you have another guy in the lineup. You're flipping in a way. You're flipping defensive talent for forward talent. Look what just putting Lazar at center in the middle six, has done for Johansson. Mm-hmm. Moving him simply to a position he's more comfortable with has done great things for him over the past week. You're right. Yep. Like, there are so many ripple effects with lineups, and I think getting a guy, you know, and it's, and it's tough because years ago we would have all said Ristolainen is going to be a Norris candidate for the next yeah, Ta- decade. I said that right when he when he first cracked the the, the lineup. Yep, I was fast that. forward five years from our our then mindset, and we're thinking we're, we're going to trade Ristolainen for a guy who has seventeen, 17 points. points this year. It's not ludicrous. You're right, but like we see what Ristolainen is, you can't imagine 
that other teams aren't smart enough to realize that Ristolainen is not as mm. good as his 6'4", 225-pound frame says he should be. Yep. And I think, like, I think we'd all be kind of disappointed with what a Ristolainen return would be because if we weren't, I think he'd be gone. That, that's a point. We'll, we'll continue on on this when we come back. And I've got an XFL thing I want to get to at some point, too. Um, so nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney at tier calls as well after this at 803-0550 on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney here on WGR. A lot on the uh, Sabres and a potential Vegas Golden Knights trade, which was rumored on the weekend. Makes some sense. It's kind of like the Winnipeg deal. Team that needs a defenseman. They've got a million forwards that are really good. Makes sense. We'll see a trade. 803-0550 is the phone number to your calls now. Let's go to Greg. Greg, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Yeah, I just uh, called earlier. I wanted to, to, to quash the, uh, the playoff uh, talk. Um, it, it's not going to happen. It's statistically almost impossible. And I, I want to—I just want to say this. You know, every team, we're talking about a whole quarter of a season. So we've gone three quarters of a season. Teams pretty much are who they are. Buffalo has been averaging 1.14 points a game. Toronto has been averaging 1.16 a game. You know what the best team in the NHL is? Who's that? It's Boston. Boston is the number one team right now. They're averaging... 1.43 points a game. Now, right now, Toronto is playing on a pace to get 96 points, and so is Florida. So for the Sabres to get 96 points, they have to get 36 points in their, uh, in their, uh, out of 46. So that's yep. looking at one, 1.53 points a game. That is a, point, a tenth of a point better than what Boston is playing all year round. It's not going to happen. And that's just to get to 96 points, and you hope that Florida and Toronto don't get a slight bit hotter than they are now. Yeah. Greg, thanks for the call. The math there does kind of check out. And Even a couple of weeks ago, um, I brought up a comparison to the 2011 Sabres, and there was a point in January, maybe it was January 18th, might have been exactly a month ago, where the Sabres this year were in the exact same position that that Sabres team in 2011 was that made the playoffs. The thing about that 2011 Sabres team is they were the best team in the NHL from that point on. Mm. From the point where they were like eight points out in January, they were the best team in hockey. So that is kind of right. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to poo-poo on the idea that like you talked about and Nate talked about earlier on the station that can they make the games meaningful later later on? Like I think that is possible, but whether they act, to, to actually make it. It is right that they would have to be the best team in hockey the rest of the way. Greg, I am not thinking that this team is going to go to the playoffs. Like you, you don't have to quash anything for me, but what I am thinking is that they have a shot, and I don't want to just tune them out for the remainder of their season because of... Like, all right, you brought up you want the, meaningful games. I, I I get that, and like, but he brought up the point of okay, Boston has played at a one point four one or so pay, points per let's, game let's, pace. Let's make it easier. They're on like a hundred and twelve point pace. Th- that's fine, but yeah. you're taking into account sixty games. 
you don't need the Sabres to be on that pace for 60 games. You need them to be on that pace for 20 games. That's true. The Sabres last year in a 10-game stretch were on a – they averaged two points a game yep. for a, over a 10-game stretch. I mean, it's not impossible when you shrink, shrink the sample size to get numbers that fall outside of the mm-hmm. outside of the norm. They are probably not going to make the playoffs. I don't think you have to quash the idea for everyone. We all know that the chances are extremely stacked against them. But I'm interested. They hooked me in over the past three games. They've hooked me in again. They could, I could be out tomorrow. But right now I'm in, and that's a good yeah. feeling. And it's not also just that they've won the past couple of games for me. The reason that I'm not even, you know, laughing in everybody's face right now that wants to think that way right now is, and I actually saw an interesting chart from uh, at Charting Hockey, Sean Tierney on Twitter earlier. He kind of maps out, like, the quality of play that the team's having, how dull you are, how offensive you are, and... There's a team specific chart in like just how well you're playing. Yeah. And I saw that. Yeah. It's like a roller coaster, yep. like all season. Like it started up super high, high. Like the Sabres were great. And yeah. then it dropped down low and then it went back kind of towards the middle and they plateaued a little bit. Then it went way down. And then like the last couple of weeks, it skyrocketed. They're back above up. average again. They're playing well, right? It's not just that they're winning. Even that 10 game win streak last year, they won 10 games in a row, but they weren't like, they were not the best team in hockey. Right now, they're winning some games and they're earning it. So you're like that's why I, I'm not completely quashing, if that's the word we're using. Uh, anyone that wants to think that way. 8030550 is the phone number. I got this XFL thing I want to get to. Play around with the quarterback landing spots a little bit as well. So we'll transition to football when we return on the nightcap. Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives! What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes! Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Well, we were going to get into football, and we still will, but we have one caller, got a couple of callers, so they want to talk hockey, and there's been a pretty significant trade in the NHL. It has not occurred with the Buffalo Sabres, so I'm sorry to disappoint everyone out there that maybe thought for a second that I was, you know, being funny there, like, you know, there's a big, there's a big trade in the NHL, and it involves the Buffalo Sabres. No, it's not that. The Los Angeles Kings are trading forward Tyler Toffoli to the Vancouver Canucks who currently sit second place in the Pacific Division one point out of first which is currently held by Edmonton Vegas is it by the way two points back Calgary's two points back Arizona's two points back so a very tight Pacific Division and the reports so far on Toffoli who is a, a, a rental like this guy's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year high draft pick prospect, and a roster player. I'm interested to see if this is a first-round pick. I'm interested to see if this is a great prospect, like a high-level prospect. And I'm interested to see what the roster player is because one thing that we talked about in the first hour was, and what could affect what the Sabres do is if the market is telling you that the, there are so many teams buying and so few teams selling that people will overpay 
then maybe that enhances the reasons that the Sabres should also be in the seller's market. Really, like if you look at the standings right now, LA's a seller, Anaheim's a seller, the Sharks are a seller, Detroit, Ottawa, New Jersey. You might only have six definite sellers out of 31. Even like Chicago maybe could make an argument that they should go for it. Because, yeah, they're eight points back like the Sabres, but they have three games in hand on Arizona. Minnesota has four games in hand on a playoff spot, and they're seven back. Winnipeg and Nashville are only a couple of points out. In the East, well, like Montreal is right in the Sabres' boat. Maybe they don't have to sell. Like you, meant, you made a great case for the Sabres not doing it. So that almost, to me, the, the lack of sellers makes me want the Sabres to be in and out even more. And I'm wondering, we'll see what this Toffoli package is. Um, but if it is a first, a good prospect, and then a roster player that we'll see, maybe that guy just evens the cap out. But this could just be further evidence that it's going to cost a lot to get rentals this year. And if it does, then I I never once said that I don't want Bottrell to listen. All I'm right. saying is that I don't... And you even, you even said that like if Larson gets you a second, like you, you'd you say you're okay Then you have to that. consider it. You right. have to. It would be, you know, you have to consider it. But yep. what I'm saying is I don't want these guys just being shipped off for fourth-round picks. At that point, just keep them and ride mm-hmm. the wave. Let's go to the phone lines, 803-0550. Tony, you're first up on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, good evening, guys. I just about the Sabers. Okay, we're eight points out. It's four games. You know, if they would play more consistently, that's a very easy number to hit. You know what? And uh, my second question is: is what's the status of Lena Solmark? I mean, is he is he looking good within the next couple of weeks of coming back, or? Um, I mean, we it was a two to three week injury. I think that they were talking about maybe it was even three to four, and we're what one or two weeks into that. And honestly, I think I thought they were going to miss Lena Solmark. Like I thought that was the final nail in the coffin. That was right out of the break. And part of my thought process with this team was, if they're going to make a run, Allmark's going to have to be phenomenal. And then he got hurt. I'm like, great. Carter Hutton has lost eleven in a row, and Jonas Johansson, who's Really only had one good year of pro hockey so far. They're going to save the day. To be honest, Hutton's been great. Hutton's won five of six. Looked very good last night. Last night, like he didn't get a lot of shots on him. I think he only made 22 saves. Made some big saves. The third period, right. It was a tie game. Toronto had been dominating the yeah. same. Toronto didn't have a lot of control in that game, but the first five minutes of the third period, they were buzzing. He came, he made a couple major... Right. Toronto could have easily taken the lead if it weren't for Carter it, Hutton right. last night. It was right after Toronto had tied it. He makes a sprawling save to the right with his blocker. He made another big save thereafter. So I'm not sure Allmark really, um, of course they want him back, and I think maybe he's more likely to be consistent than Hutton, but they're getting good goaltending right now. Now, I want to hear you maybe speak on the four-game thing first, because my thought is, this is why I hate the the 2-1 point system, and I want it to be 3-2-1, because I think the NHL... Four games is not just four games. It's not. The NHL manufactures parity yeah. with their system by making you think, oh, it's only four games. It's not. It's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, I think that's what... And, and honestly, that line of thinking that from the caller we just got is a big reason why a lot of teams aren't selling. Because you can get points and still not even play that well in a game. You can lose a game and get points. Like, think about if the, the Sabres could win and the Leafs could lose and you gain one net point. One. 
that is going to happen, you know, is, is if this goes long, if this goes for a couple weeks where the Sabres are still in it, they're within striking distance, it will happen on nights where Toronto will tie the game late and they'll get a point and it'd be like, well, I mean, that didn't, didn't really move the needle. And that's why it's so important to be up at this stage of the game because it is so difficult in the NHL not only to make up points, make up eight points, but look at the number of teams they have to surpass yeah. in order to get there. They have to surpass not only just to the division, but the wild card as well. I mean, they basically have to be the best team in the NHL, like we've already discussed, and they have to make sure that no other team goes, not that they have any control, but no other team can go on a similar hot streak. There, there is so much against them in terms of getting to the playoffs. I'm here for it. I want to see it as far as it goes. But four wins is not just four wins. It's eight points. And that's kind of, you have to look at it that way. Four wins sounds better than eight points. Eight points is the mark. And eight mm-hmm. points is a lot to overcome with only 20 games left in the season. Right. Uh, a couple of other things to update you on. First on the NHL, we just mentioned this Tyler Toffoli trade. <laughs> it's funny, you want to hear the NHL player that's going back to L.A.? It is uh, none other than former Buffalo Sabre Tim Schaller is going back to uh, L.A. So b- big names being dealt here uh, one week before the NHL trade deadline. This Vegas and Washington game that I've been referencing uh, throughout, like just assuming Vegas was going to win, they were dominating the Capitals. Two quick goals by Tyler, by uh, TJ Oshie has made it three to two with seven minutes to go. That is uh, on NBCSN and kind of a mini brawl just uh, broke out. Like three Capitals just went after Ryan Reeves. I don't really know why. Um, so you got a good game because he's there. Ryan Reeves, he, he, right? He's Ryan Reeves. And um, before we get into football, a pretty serious situation coming out of Daytona right now. Yes, and we had been kind of casually following it in the in the break. Um, seeing some tweets about Ryan Newman. There was a crash on the f- a second to last lap uh, of the Daytona 500. Ryan Newman's car hits the wall hard, very hard. Goes into the air like fl- like you're seeing sparks. And there is now tweets: uh, stretcher next to Newman's car. Crews are using black screens to keep uh, fans from seeing. And media has been told to leave the pits. So potentially a pretty serious situation on uh, Ryan Newman and the Daytona 500. So we'll keep you updated on that um, as we learn more. So obviously hoping for the best, and that does not become a more serious situation than everyone could be envisioning right now. He Um, has gone to the hospital. I don't know if you mentioned that. I did not. Okay, good. He he was taken to the hospital according to reports. Uh, I don't follow NASCAR that closely, but I've seen some people who are more familiar say it's one of the hardest crashes they've seen. So, as you mentioned, a very serious situation there. And uh, one more uh, quick to wrap up this uh, this trade, because the reporting is coming in on it on the Tyler Toffoli trade. Second round pick, Tim Schaller, and prospect Tyler Madden going to L.A. So maybe... That actually doesn't sound like a lot. Maybe I should slow down on that Johan Larson's like getting them a second pick. It, it makes pick. me... What does Tampa Bay see in Blake Coleman to give that kind of return? I don't know, man. Because They're not going to use him in a top six role, I don't think. Like, Toffoli, to me, is a better player than Blake Coleman. I agree. I yeah. can't say that. You know, I don't have all the numbers to back that. If just off the top of my head, my first instinct would be that Same. Tyler Toffoli would be worth more in a trade than Blake Coleman. I, I agree. And, um... He almost reminds me, actually, uh, Blake Coleman of David Clarkson, not just because they were both devils, but guys that don't create a lot of offense, you're never going to see assist numbers, but they had like one or two years where they just put a lot of goals in and they had all of this false value, um, and that might be Blake Coleman. So 
Tampa might be want to be wary. They traded first round pick for him. Uh, this Tyler Madden, by the way, third round pick of the Canucks last year. He's having a phenomenal season in college hockey. Thirty seven points in twenty seven games for Northeastern University. So um, people on Twitter at least are uh, raving about this guy as a prospect. So maybe the prospect was where they really got most of the value um, in this trade. The uh, the LA Kings did. Um, all right, let's uh, switch gears into football a little bit here. I- I've got a rule in the XFL that. Of all the rules that have been talked about, as like, well, the NBA or the NFL could adopt this. You got the sky judge. You've got the uh, just the the general letting fans into the broadcast booth or not the broadcast booth, the replay booth, letting them hear what refs are doing. Uh, I know Jim Zorn was pretty upset in the XFL that his play calls were being broadcasted over the air. Um, there's the extra point rule, which I really like. The one, two, three, one point from the two point or from the two yard line, two points from the five yard line, three from the t- from the ten, um, makes a nine score game a one, a one possession game. There's the kickoff rule that seems to be going pretty well. It seems safer because players are going at lesser speeds, but it, the, it's being returned more often. 68% are being returned in the XFL through two weeks. It's like 23% in the NFL. Above all of those, the XFL tiebreaker. To make the playoffs. Have you seen this? Touchdown differential? Touchdown differential. Touchdown plus minus. Maybe this isn't a major thing, and maybe the NFL, even if they adopted this, it wouldn't change anything. My thought is, though, the one thing I really love about the XFL, and this rule is doing it, the most boring play to me in football, unless it comes right at the end of a game, and it's super important, 90% of the time, the field goal is the most boring play in football to me. And the XFL seems to understand that. And while they're not trying to eliminate it completely because there are still field goals, they've gotten it out of the extra point. And now you might get a situation where, all right, I'm three touchdowns behind a team and we're going to end the season tied most likely. So in this game, I need to score only touchdowns. I'm not kicking field goals. Any Any way you can get coaches to not kick field goals to me, is a good rule. And I think this is doing that in the XFL. I absolutely think the NFL should adopt this rule. I'm curious to see at the end of the season how much it actually matters. Me too. Like if it's, I'm hoping it If does. it's going to yeah. be, if all the teams are, like with all the teams vying for, you know, whatever, are right there, then cool. You know, but like it might actually not be all that important. Like it seems like, sure. you know, like to me, point differential would be better. Um, but I know your stance on the field goals and whatnot, but yeah. I'm just not comp- – you know what it does, I like though? point differential more than it what the automatically, NFL automatically – yes, yes. Point differential is much better than what the current system is. What even is, is – I always forget what the first It depends is. on whether you're tied with a division opponent and a conference opponent. It's so and, complicated. Yeah, strength of victory and yeah. all that stuff. And it's honestly – it's like – it's like math class, and if we could just have a simple – like, I think the NHL tiebreaker should be point differential. Why is it regulation overtime wins? Just Why not just point differential? Mm-hmm. You know, you're telling me that both two teams have 95 points, one is plus 20 and one's plus 10? Like, I th- the team that's plus 20 should go. Yeah. I, I'm, that's I'm, like three wins. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a lot. Um, yeah. I, th- there's a uh, – there's a lot of things the XFL's done. Maybe you're right. Maybe this doesn't end up doing a lot. Um, that's definitely possible. I like it more um, than the current system, though. So I'm okay I like with it more that. Than the current system. I, I like that I they're do. trying to change things, but it still feels 
like football. It's not uh, manufactured. Yeah. It's not um, like imagine two years ago when Andy Dalton throws the, the the miracle pass to Tyler Boyd and the Bills mm. make the playoffs. Instead of needing that out of another game, instead you have okay the Bills are up twenty on Miami, but we're we're still two touchdowns down to Baltimore. So we need to pour it on. We need we need to we, in a way we need to run up the score in Miami, but it's because we need two more touchdowns before this game is over. And then maybe I don't know, maybe the Bills are onside kicking it uh, when they're up by 30 or something in yeah. a situation like that. Like it could it could breed a lot of fun at the end of the season. Maybe it wouldn't be all that um all that often that something like that would happen, but it could happen. Right. Like in soccer this happens, right? In, in Was soccer, it, wasn't that a big thing like 6 years ago in the Premier League? Yeah, Where, like gold different. Yes. Like it led to like one of the biggest days ever in Manchester soccer. City in 2011. Yeah, it was the craziest, the, the craziest Premier League finish ever. And if I have it right, going off the top of my head here, they were well, they were down to QPR on the final day. Manchester United was playing at the same time. They were going to win, and had they lost, of course, that wouldn't have been enough. Had they drawn, that wouldn't have been enough. They needed to win the game, and then they would have won on goal differential. And I, if I have it right, Manchester United only won by one, and they didn't win by two. So I'm not sure the goal differential played into the finish, but it definitely mattered to um, what ended up happening. And then Manchester United scored two goals in the final in stoppage time and won the title. Like Manchester United thought they were winning it. But like even the World Cup, this happens. where or Like last year, I'm a big Liverpool fan in the Champions League. Liverpool plays Barcelona. They lose. There's a two. It's a two game series, which I know American fans like can't wrap their head around a lot. If you don't like soccer, it's a two game series. They lose the first game in Barcelona four to, uh, three to nothing. So you're coming back on your home field. You know that you have to win. If you want to win the game outright, you've got to win by four. Like you can't just win the game. You've got to win by four. And that whole game, it's like they score, okay, we need three more. Like, you're winning that game, but it feels like you're down. You know you're down. And then you score a second one, it's like, they're right there. And it just breeds all this excitement. And it makes it so much more stressful. And to me, that was cool. And again, this isn't quite the same thing if the NFL did this, you know, touchdown differential or even maybe more realistically is point differential. Um, but it's a... It's a it, to me, makes it more fun than what you have right now, where it's just like, all right, you're locked in. This is what happens if you win. That's like, it. Like win or lose. Point differential to me is much more indicative of how good a team is than yeah, me too. The crazy type. That Bills team from 2017 did not deserve to go to the playoffs. No, they didn't. The like Chargers they were didn't. not better than the Chargers. They actually got smoked by the Chargers that year. Granted, Nathan Peter, Peterman Peter, started Peterman. that game, <laughs> yeah. but. The bill weren't the the bills That's were like great. minus fifty or something like that on point differential for the year yep. and got in the playoffs. I'm not complaining. They got into the Me playoffs neither. because of a stupid tie break three way tie thing that only worked out because it was a three way tie. Remember that? Like if it was a two way tie, they they didn't have it. But because of it was a because it was a three way tie, they had it. Do you remember? Mm. It was like something crazy like that. I can't remember all the, the whole scenario. It had off to the be top a three way tie, for but them. it had to yeah. be a three way tie. Because otherwise they would have lost on head-to-head. Which is absurd to me. Like, it should just be a point of... And that would be such an easier way to... Like, what are the chances that three teams are tied with the same point differential? Right. It's not going to happen. 
So I, I mean, I think that would be much more. It's more much more indicative of how good a team is. Yeah, me too. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, by the way, at Sneaky Joe WGR for myself, at Brendan Keeney for Brendan. We'll have our interview of the day when we return. Chad Ryder of NFL.com. We'll stick with some football, a little bit on the draft, a little bit on the Bills offseason, and also uh, the veteran quarterback landscape. There is actually before I even get to that, let, let's touch on that before we go to a break because I do want your your thoughts on this. I'm thinking more and more about Pittsburgh. And it's not just that Ben Roethlisberger looks out of shape, because he's kind of been that for two years. Um, it's not that he looks like UConn Cornelius. Career. Yeah, maybe his whole <laughs> career. It's not even that he looks like UConn Cornelius. And it's not also necessarily the elbow injury, but I do think about that. Mar- 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 Marcus Mariota had an elbow injury a couple years ago. Never looked the same since. Roethlisberger, like, it's not a guarantee he has to come back from this. He has a big uh, doctor's appointment, apparently, in like a week. And then they'll know more. Pittsburgh is not being talked about as a team that could go quarterback in the draft or even try to get a Teddy Bridgewater there. If I'm Teddy Bridgewater, I might be sick of trying to wait for a guy to retire like in New Orleans the past two years. But if I'm him and I can't find a starting job, who's more, who's closer to the way out? Because Drew Brees, right, well, one Drew thing- Brees might decide to go, but Drew Brees is still playing at a pretty high level. I'm picking Pittsburgh. If, I'm going to Pittsburgh. If this is the case, though, Pittsburgh is in terrible shape. They have like... They need the get- second most amount or the second fewest cap space. Cap space. Yeah. They don't have a first round pick. Remember, they gave that up for, uh, for Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick. They they, they reportedly want back in, but are yeah. in really bad shape if this doctor's appointment doesn't go well for Ben Roethlisberger. So maybe that's what would lead them to Teddy Bridgewater. But T- Teddy Bridgewater is going to need to get paid. They don't have the money to pay him. They should cut Roethlisberger. <laughs> How much do you think that dead cap is? They, they can't afford those two. Uh, ooh, that's a good one. I've not looked up what Ben Roethlisberger's dead cap figure would be because I would just imagine he'd probably retire uh, if he's not playing in Pittsburgh. If they say, "Hey, you're not, we're, you're not our starting quarterback anymore," why would um, he not want to get paid? Well, what if he's shot? And even if what if the elbow is 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 shot? But he can just sit there and get paid. He doesn't have to go anywhere. Why would he not get paid? I just think Pittsburgh... he's making a ton of money. Why would he not get paid? Well, I'm not saying Roethlisberger wouldn't want to get paid. I'm saying that Pittsburgh would want to kind of force him, push him out the door a little bit. And then if I'm him, I just stay. You have to pay me anyway. Why would he? Why Let's would see. he leave? What's the dead the dead cap figure? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Twenty five million. They can, they can't afford to not have to. For, they cannot afford for Ben to not be their starting they, quarterback. They'd this year. save eight. They'd save eight and a half million bucks. I think they have like two to five million dollars of cap space off the top of my head. So they probably can't do much with ten million. They can't. I don't think they can really do anything. As they far as, a, do something, as far don't as they? a quarterback is concerned in free agency, I really don't think they can do much of anything. And they don't have a first round pick. Like this doctor's appointment better go well, and Ben better be ready to show up, or I really do not like where the Steelers are heading already this season. One other team that's not getting talked about at all is Jacksonville. Um, actually, there's two other teams. Minnesota's not getting talked about, but I'm not thinking about them for this offseason. I'm thinking about them for... The, Cousins has got one year left. If they want to do something else, maybe they could. Um, but Jacksonville is interesting in that Minshew's there. He was almost... like You're not going to move on from... You're not going to get rid of Minshew. Like, he was too good as a rookie, especially as a six-round pick. Like, we're cutting bait. Foles' his contract is... You can't cut him. He's got like a $35 million, $40 million dead cap figure. Like, Foles is there. Unless you find a way to trade him, which would Someone seem unlikely. Someone suggested the but Bills taking Foles. Are you going to start Foles. one of them? Did you uh, see that? Yeah, I did. I, I like that. I kind of like that. 
Like you, the, can I get a second round pick? The compensation back would have to be large. You'd have to receive a big pick back. Barkley would have to go. But I mean, I am starting to like the idea. You kind of talked about it with Jordan Phillips. Like, why wouldn't they just franchise tag Jordan Phillips? I'm not as big a fan of that, but I am kind of a fan of maybe taking, a, if I can get some extra compensation, I'm a fan of taking some draft capital. Now, the one thing is the Bills have what I think is a pretty well rounded team. How many of these guys are even going to have roster spots if you keep acquiring draft picks? So that's one thing mm-hmm. to keep in mind. Like uh, one of the suggestions was David Johnson. Can you get a move? Can you make a move? Can you make a play yeah. to get David Johnson out of Arizona, who I think it's pretty well known they want to move in a dif- different direction and kind of ride Kenyon Drake. I, I kind of like them doing something like that. I do. I'm and okay whether it's- with it. They're not going to spend ninety million dollars, and if you can get a Brock Osweiler esque return. You know, get that second round pick, and maybe if you cool. can get a player that, while overpaid, could help you a little bit. Like, it doesn't have to be Nick Foles, but Nick Foles would be an upgrade as your backup quarterback. It doesn't have to be David Johnson, but I think you could do worse than David, David Johnson is your upgrade over Frank Gore. Oh, I mean, I would hope, I would hope so, unless his back is shot. Right, like there's he's definitely an upgrade over Frank Gore. So I, I like that. I like that as an idea. The Bills have cap space; they should weaponize their cap space. All in all, I agree. Go get some draft capital because you've done so well with the cap mm-hmm. um, and take advantage of it. All right. Uh, 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll squeeze in some calls before our interview of the day if you get any. Um, but we're going to hear from Chad Ryder of NFL.com when we return. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney hanging out as well here on WGR for a little under a half hour more. Let's get to our interview of the day. Some on the NFL draft, some on the Bills offseason, free agency, and also the veteran quarterback landscape in the NFL. Let's get to Chad Ryder of NFL.com with Howard and Brayton this morning. Now we'll turn our thoughts to the NFL draft. Combine next week is the next step in the offseason of draft activity. And we're going to our Wester hotline, and Chad Ryder's going to join us, draft analyst, NFL.com. Had a three-round mock-up a couple weeks ago, and we'll talk about his choices for the Bills, among other issues and items. Chad, it's Howard and Brayton. Good morning. Thanks for coming on with us today. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. The Combine is up next. Before we get into your mock and some Bills ideas, Chad, are there any big storylines to keep an eye out for the Combine workouts? Well, it's going to be interesting to see which quarterbacks work out. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow chose not to be in the Senior Bowl, so I don't know that he'll participate in the Combine throwing either. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll just wait for his pro day. There's really not a lot for him to gain. Um, so it's, it's interesting where, where two is at, you know, with his injury, what can he do? What can't he do? Um, Justin Herbert, is, is he going to do something? So the quarterbacks are always one, one story. Um, Jake, Jacob Eason from Washington could really show teams what kind of velocity he has. If he, um, you know, throws well to the combine, he could raise the stock a little bit. So, you know, it's stories like that. Um, there's a bunch of offensive linemen that are going to look great. The wide receivers this year, there's a ton of them. And can some of them, you know, separate uh, themselves from the other ones, pun intended, that they can, you know, just give themselves a little edge over some other guys that may grade out, uh, you know, very similarly based on tape. So, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of stories. It's going to be a lot of fun. The workouts are going to be in prime time this year. So 
um, people, more people will be able to watch, and it'll be uh, really interesting. Um, we'll be watching the receivers, and I want to get to that with you because that's an area for, certainly of interest to Bills fans. Is there anybody, like, is there going to be like a 40 time from one of these receivers that'll just blow everybody away that they'll be talking about? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's some track guys out there, and, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate to NFL success. Um, but yeah, we're going to see, we're going to, some guys are going to fly. There's going to be some four twos and, and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, KJ Hill from Ohio state's going to run well. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys. I want to see KJ Hamler from Penn state, you know, right in the, kind of in the neighborhood of you guys, yep. how is he going to run? Is he going to push himself up boards with that, with that kind of speed? Uh, you know, I'm just, kind of going through my list here to see what kind of guy uh, there's going to be tons of there's going to be tons of guys that are going to run fast it's going to be great i'm looking for it and the running backs too by the way jonathan taylor's a track guy um so you know let's see how fast is he going to run is he going to push himself on boards is there going to be 100 henry rugs obviously from alabama that guy could run in the four twos pretty easily um so it's it's there's going to be quite a bit to watch you know it's interesting with the wide receiver discussion, and this ties into your to your mock draft, Chad, we've been talking about that area and how deep it is. And because it's so deep, well, it, it's not a failed draft if the Bills don't get a guy at 22. They could still get right. him in round two. You took it a step further that I'm going to guess you're saying it's so deep. Like your, your mock had edge rusher and corner and then receiver. It's, is it that deep that they could even wait to the third round to get a good guy? Well, you know, it is, but you're also looking at the kind of receiver you want too, right? I mean, I think um, you've got a guy who can take off the top of the defense already, and if you like Cole Beasley as an underneath guy, then you're really looking for kind of a big-bodied slot slash you know outside guy that can can do a little bit of everything, and you can get that guy you know second or third round. Um, and focus on other parts of your team that you think can, can really make things different. Now, the, I'm doing another mock um, that's going to come out next week. And, again, you know, you look at – I think I had, like, Colin Johnson from Texas being available to them in the third round. If you can add that guy to Brown and Beasley, um, you know, that's, that's going to be a good pickup. And, you know, you can, you can focus on other things. So uh, I, I think that's the kind of depth this class has. We're with Chad Ryder, 8030550 to join us. And so so the edge rusher, in your last mock, you had them getting the kid from Penn State. Tell us a little bit about him. Well, he's a powerful guy, and he's somebody that can um, stand up or put his hand on the ground and, and get after the passer. I mean, I think in today's NFL, you need guys with versatility, not only a guy that can stand up outside and try to beat a tackle, but to move him inside in sub packages where you can put his hand on the ground, force his way through past a guard or a center, to, to really give interior pressure. And he's the kind he's he's the guy, Gross Matos, that can really um, pressure from the inside too on third down. So I think a versatility, a guy like that, really is good. Um, and so I, I, I you know. You can never have too many of those guys. Mm-hmm. You just can't. There, it's uh, rotations are important. Sub packages are important. Injuries are important. And and not only looking at Shaq Lawson, obviously the free agent, but Trent Murphy is going to be one in 2021. And yeah. smart teams are a year ahead on this stuff. You know, as a rookie, guys aren't going to be awesome in most cases. They're going to contribute, but they're not going to be a starter. So you give a guy one year, learn the business, 
And then if an opportunity comes in year two, then he's ready to take that opportunity. And with this team, I think there are a few things in play here, Chad. You know, part of it is, I think, the depth of the receiver class, which apparently is deeper than, say, the edge rushers. And, you know, uh, we're just going to say McBean. We we refer to them as McBean because, uh, you know, they're one mind and two bodies, McDermott and Bean. But but they've, they've always said how important they believe it is to build up on the lines. And, you know, like yeah. you said, right, Trent Murphy, if he if he's here, if he's not a cap casualty, I right, doubt he gets right. another contract. And Shaq's a free agent. And Phillips is a free agent. So I, I, I absolutely, as much as I would love them to address receiver, I would absolutely understand if they went with an edge rusher in the first with the first pick because of all those well, reasons. Yeah, and and the thing is, is a lot a lot of people think teams could should approach the draft like you're going to the grocery store and you've got your needs and you put them in a certain order and you go down aisle one and you go down aisle two and that's really not how it should work um you know they should really have a group of guys available at every pick and you know obviously you want to address a need but it's not going to necessarily go in the order now it's interesting that you stay the lines too because in my next mock I might have them picking um an offensive lineman an interior offensive lineman because uh, let's say they love Cesar Ruiz from Michigan as a guy that can play guard center down the line if they need him, whatever. Uh, because you have you have to build from the lines up. That's absolute. I believe that 100. percent And they're in the in that part of that first round where you're going to start to see a guy like Ruiz or maybe one of these other um, offensive linemen kind of come off the board. And so it'll be interesting to see how they approach that, um, McBean, as you call them. If they really believe that, if they want to protect Josh Allen, if they want to give Motor more um, gaps to run through inside, if they really want to pound the ball, see if they you know, address that position even over uh, a receiver position where they can get one later. Do you, what do you think in terms of overall, Chad, looking at the first round? I, I know we'll, we always talk about quarterbacks and people will wonder who's going where, although free agency and the potential quarterback carousel could have an impact. That happens before um, the draft. But as you look at round one, who are the most interesting players or what are going to be the biggest storylines as we get to the draft? Well, I think, again, it's always about the quarterback. So, so Tua, is he healthy? Our team's going to be scared off by the injury issues he's had at Alabama. If they're not, then they're going to consider him worthy of a trade up to get ahead of Miami and, and the Chargers and other teams that want that. So Detroit and the Giants are sitting pretty at three and four, and there's going to be a move there most likely to get up and get one of these guys. Um, and then you've got the Jordan Love story from uh, from Utah State. With he really reminds me a lot of Colin Kaepernick um, coming out when he came out of Nevada, and and you know it, not everything's great. Sort of like Josh Allen, you know, coming out of the Mountain West. Not everything was great, but you saw the tools, you saw the ability, and so how high of a pick do you take use on a guy like that? My guess is he's not going to go as high as Josh did. Um, but a lot of people didn't think Josh would go that high coming into that draft too. So what, where does he go right now? I'm going to keep him in the kind of that, that twenties area. And again, Buffalo could, could benefit from that. Um, if a team wants to move up and get him, 
they, they're in a good position for that. So a guy like that and Jacob Eason again from Washington, those guys, how high do they go? Does somebody make a move to get them? Um, you know, th- th- there's there's usually a, two or three trades for quarterbacks in that first round, and I expect it will happen again. Yeah, I think it's, it's a couple things. Well, first off, I'm always low on quarterbacks. So wherever I think they're going, they're always going to go higher. Um, and, I, and I do wonder, Chad, about – you know, depending on what happens in, in quarterbacks, not just free agents, but guys that could be traded, Dalton and Newton yeah. and Carr, all this stuff, how how that might impact what what happens with the Dolphins, what happens with, uh, well, Burrow's going to go to Cincinnati, but what happens with some of the other, quote, quarterback needy teams, the Chargers? What are they going to do with their first pick? And I, I, I guess we kind of have to wait and see how free agency plays out. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, if, if Cam Newton's available, there's a reason he's available because you don't know how healthy he is. He hasn't looked great throwing the ball for a couple of years. Um, you know, great talent and, and all that, but there's a reason he's going to be available. If a team picks Tom Brady or picks up Tom Brady, how long is he going to play? Um, I, I guess, I'm guessing he's going to stay in New England, but if that happens, is he more than a two-year guy? Um, Derek Parr, how good has he really been? So, if, if a veteran quarterback is available, um, there's a reason that he's available. And so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily – maybe a team doesn't pick him in the first pick a quarterback in the first round. But certainly at some point in the draft, even if they get one of those guys, they're probably going to be looking at one, a, a future one anyway. You can read Chad's work with his next mock draft coming out at NFL.com. And you can also follow Chad on Twitter. It is at Chad underscore writer. It is spelled R-E-U. T-E-R to follow him on Twitter. Chad, thanks again for coming on with us. Thanks for giving us uh, your time on the show this morning. You bet. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, Chad. Have a good day. Good stuff from Chad Ryder, NFL.com, for all of our great content from the day. Full hours of shows from the Instigators, One Bills Live, Howard and Jeremy in the morning, show from the Bulldog in the afternoon, all the interviews as well on demand at WGR550.com, and you can also hit the, up the rewind function on the radio.com app. Last call in the nightcap after this, 803-0550 is the number. The NBA All-Star Game was a smashing success yesterday. The One of the best All-Star Games, if probably the best All-Star Game I've ever watched, and the format was part of the reason for that, and other sports really adopted. If you missed it, I'll tell you what the format was and how the NHL specifically maybe um, could adopt it when we return. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We tried to come out, set the tone, play hard, and especially in the fourth quarter. You know, the defense got tighter. Guys would hit one another, every position count. It was kind of, he had a little bit of playoff intensity out there, so I loved it. You know, I hope they can keep the same format for a lot of years. I think people had fun, we had fun, so that's what it's all about. All right, I'm going to give the name a shot because I'm generally pretty good. I usually consider myself to be pretty good at pronouncing athlete names. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right there. The Greek freak. The NBA All-Star Game was awesome. It was awesome. And it actually has been for a couple of years. I, I saw some people giving all of the credit to the format. So the NBA last night, they had a system that um, basically was to honor Kobe Bryant. I forgot what exactly it was, but something with the 24s and the 8s. But all in all, it ended, resu- it ended up resulting in a fourth quarter where it was untimed and the first to 157 wins. 
first team to get to 157 points wins. And it really created all of this drama, and it created a lot of interest, and it was really cool. It was... I don't know how much the format did play a part in it, but it made it feel unique, but also it raised the stakes, and it was an interesting format. I liked it. I think the NHL should try it, Um, but I will also say the NBA's been the best of the All-Star games easily because two years ago, Steph Curry, LeBron James were the captains, and they made a point, and they said it, that, hey, we're changing this All-Star game, and we know we have to lead it. We're the leaders of the league, and we're going to start going hard. And LeBron James went hard in the All-Star game, and Steph Curry went hard in the All-Star game, and everybody followed. And two years later, everybody's still trying pretty hard in the All-Star game. Chris Paul is out there, like, poking eyes, playing dirty, like it's a real NBA game. Part of it was the format, but the NBA has just been killing it. The NBA, they just wake up with 10 great ideas, and the NHL takes them you know, a decade to get one. Um, so I'd like to see them do that. Maybe in the NHL All-Star game, you have a system where first to 10 wins. Would that not be cool? Would that not be making more fun? I don't know. Maybe it would take too long then. Hockey might be tougher to do it. The NFL and the Pro Bowl, first to uh, you know, 40. First team to 40. I think I could make it a little more interesting, make it a little bit more unique. Um, and the NBA certainly did a really good job with it last night. So great job at the NBA All-Star Game. The NBA continues to kill it. And that's why uh, they are fa- rapidly becoming the fastest growing sport in the country. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to tonight's show. Thanks to Brendan Keeney for jumping in with me. A lot of good hockey talk in the first hour. You'll be able to catch that in moments on WGR550.com. You can already listen to it on the Rewind function on the Radio.com app. That's going to do it for me, though. I'll be back with you actually tomorrow night, filling in for Brian Koziel on the Sabres Radio Network. So I'll get pregame, or I'll get you going for Sabres and Senators. 7.30 puck drop tomorrow. So until then, everybody have a good night, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.